everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse. I am Peter and joining me as always is Connor. Yep, still here. Somehow. So much enthusiasm every time he says hello. It's so inviting. Yeah, well, tell you what. Let me have another three drinks and then I'll show you some enthusiasm. This is a DC Comics podcast. This is our sister show to Comics from the Multiverse, where we talk about new DC Comics with uh, Matt as well, of course. Uh, but this is where we look through classic runs. And what we're going to talk about today on the show, uh, we'll be rounding out the final part of Batman Year One in our post-crisis Batman slot uh, with Batman 407. We'll be continuing our New 52 Azarello Wonder Woman run with issue 12. We'll be doing some more Mark Wade Flash with the Flash issue 69, the second part of the Guerrilla Warfare crossover with Green Lantern. We'll be looking at Birds of Prey issue 3 from the original Chuck Dixon run. We got GSA number 11 from the Jeff Johns run. Uh, we have a new book this week, which is exciting, uh, replacing Superman Emperor Joker, thankfully. Uh, we have Shazam, the new beginning issue 1, which was voted for. Uh, in fact, we have a winner as well, I'll tell you that in a second, uh, for what's replacing that afterwards. Uh, and then finally this week, we are continuing Stephanie Brown's Batgirl run. Not that she's the writer, but it's easy to refer to it as the Stephanie brown run because <laughs> yes you, you could refer to it as the brian q miller Batgirl run if, yes. if you so wished and sometimes they do but it's just it's easy to say because there's the big cast series and then there's the big the steph series and, and the problem is there's just the one step yeah. so it's just like oh it's it's the steph Batgirl. yes uh whereas bab has a couple of runs now uh, as Batgirl, so you have to specify a bit more uh mm. but uh that is uh that's what's coming up on the show yeah i mentioned there uh, there's a new winner uh, to replace the shazam new beginning book so when we're finished that, because there's only four issues, so we'll be done in four episodes' time. Uh, when we're done with that, uh, we'll be moving on to the next vote winner, which was voted for by our patrons at the $5 and up tier, and that is... Uh, sorry, I almost said Superman something there. Uh, I've got Emperor Joker st- still in my brain. It's just not left my mind yet. Now, we're going to be doing Justice League Power Rangers, uh, of all things. It was so funny. See, if you go look at the options, it was like Kingdom Come, Dark Knight Returns, and I think New Frontier. It was like three of the biggest DC stories of all time. <coughs> And our patrons went for <laughs> Justice League Power. Just... <laughs> it is written by Tom Taylor. And art by Stephen Byrne. Yeah, yeah, there you go. See? I mean, we I think we did the first issue on the main show when that dropped. I think we did, yeah, we did the first issue. Uh, I actually read the rest of it. I have all the issues. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful book and I can't wait to revisit it. Um, looking forward to it in, a, in about a month's time. Yep, so... That'll be there. Obviously, there'll be something to replace that afterwards. We'll probably do the vote for that in like another month or so's time. Not this month. We've got four of this, then we've got six of that. So we can, we can take a month off from voting and then get get that voted for uh, then. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Previously in the multiverse, uh, working through these classic runs. So we'll get started. Batman 407 is the final part of Batman Year One, written by Frank Miller, of course, and art by Dave uh, Mitsuchelli. And surprise surprise it's very good <laughs> i mean there was no the the only critique i have is followed on from the past issue and maybe two issues critique it's oh look the catwoman stuff feels tacked on yeah a little bit it's always funny about it is that it it almost works a little bit better because i know what that leads to in long halloween and stuff like because they, they build upon like her going after falcone a lot and the, the, the stuff that comes after so it makes it better as an overall mythology but as a story it, it on does, its own but it, if you're just reading this story you could cut in entirely uh, all of selena's stuff and you would lose nothing in regards to this story yes this is this is a very true 
And I'm just making sure I can see we're recording. I was worried that I couldn't there because I had something overlapping it. Uh, we are recording for the record. We're good. But <laughs> it, was, it was a concern. So, yeah, uh, you know, we start with, with Gordon and Essen essentially splitting up uh, because it's the right thing to do, right? Because they know it's wrong, because he knows it's wrong. Uh, although, much to my surprise, he's given her a bracelet because she tries to give this bracelet back. And I'm like, wait, you give her a bracelet? That's got more serious, serious? and the time yeah. between issues... This is, uh, you know, this makes it feel even skeevier. You know, it makes it feel yeah, even worse. Yeah. It introduces this idea with the news telecast at the bottom of this uh, this man Skeevers, who's been been arrested by Gordon and is a pretty big deal and could implicate uh, Flass and the commissioner and all these people. He's a big, you know, big player in in the in the ring. Uh, but he gets let go. Harvey Dent lets him go, and it's it's kind of clear very quickly why he he's intentionally let him go so Batman could spy on him and coerce him and you know make him scared enough to actually talk and actually spill the, the beans on everyone and it's smart yeah if, yeah. if a little vicious a little bit on the vicious side yeah because he says some really like scary things to him he's, he's like you know I, I will maim you i will what was it he says to him uh i uh, i know pain you can never escape me yeah uh, it's you know you can never escape me but yeah but i know pain um Sometimes I share it with sub with someone like you. This is this is dark. Yeah, it's super super dark stuff. So he's willing to testify, and that's kind of a big thing in this issue because so so much of the story from the start is from from Gordon's side of things has been trying to work within this corrupt system, work within these corrupt people, and he came to a head with Flash in the very first issue. He's been kind of butting heads with them the whole time. And it all kind of boils down to this final issue where the ultimate kind of like escalation of this happens where they go after his newborn because obviously during the course of this issue, like Barbara has her baby. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I think we should mention the, the ongoing relationship with Essen because um, as much as you know, they, they break up on that very first page. Oh, they're back page, together. Yeah, they're back together like, again. The second page, I, I love that. The first page is you know, dated September 2nd. The full page is dedicated to their breakup. And then the very next page is September 7th, only five days later. And it's them making out in the office. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's it's good stuff. So that's kind of sets up the main thing. And basically, uh, Loeb has photographs of him kissing Essen, and it's like, hey, you've got secrets too. And it would be a shame if your wife found out about this kind of thing. And he's all smug. And one of the best things about the art here is just how smug Loeb looks as he sits back in his chair after you know making this case. So. Gordon finally goes to get and talk to Bruce because he's been trying to talk to Bruce Wayne suspecting that he could be the Batman and he takes Barbara with him bizarrely because she doesn't want he doesn't want her thinking that he's somewhere late suspiciously or anything like that he wants her to know exactly where I, he is and it's it's also worth mentioning she's she's overdue for the baby at this point as well yeah yeah so he doesn't want her alone worrying about that it's more just no 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 if anything happens I can take you to the hospital immediately and Bruce does the playboy thing you know he plays the character the the He's, he's got the model there. He's drinking the champagne at, I don't know, 11 a.m. or whatever it is. Yeah, he's chuckling away. He's not taking anything seriously. Barbara thinks he's a pig. Um, you know, this it's all good stuff. And, you know, Alfred even points out, uh, like, after they leave, like, oh, it was a good performance. You're a proper vaudevillain and all the rest of it. Uh, it even cracks a little joke about Superman. Uh, so, and it's all this stuff. So th then we see that, okay, the interrogation goes through and they're talking to Flass. And Flass outright, like basically threatens to have have skeevers killed <laughs> before he can testify and the lawyer's kind of like yelling about it but there's this great moment uh, before this uh, when they're driving away 
where Gordon's talking about secrets and how, you know, Bruce probably has some secrets and he just stops the car and turns and says, honey, there's something we have to talk about. And then I love that we see him go through with the interrogation and he's still going after Flass. It just, you know, rather because there is a beat like the, the page after when we get to October 5th, there's a beat where you see Barbara pick up the phone and she's like, yes, I know about the relationship. Don't call again. You know, there's like, you know, he's taking away the ammunition. But I think what I like about it is that it's, as much as he's, he's preemptively stopped that being, a, like, having an effect on his work, stopped that having an effect on this, this prosecution, that's not why he did it. You know, at least not centrally. It, it, it was the push that kind of made him come clean in the end. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, we open this book with him trying to break it up, with, you know, break it off with Essen. He, he's like, no, we have to stop and he's a little bit weak you know and you know, ultimately he goes yeah. back to her and it, it tells us how she's transferring out of gotham to, to give them space essentially yeah and this is just uh this this uh this blackmail is is the final push where he's like i can't let that affect the job now so i'm, I'm gonna just come clean yeah i mean garden's a man of principle he's a man of, of honor and he's always known what he's been doing is, is wrong he's, he's always felt that it's is this giving into something? It's almost like this is also. I mean, I, I went into a lot last issue about how, like, Essen might be this all this idea of flirt flirtation, like going beyond what's acceptable in one facet of his life. It's just kind of the the precursor to him accepting Batman in a weird way. But I, I think here you could also say that this was Gotham getting to him in a weird way. This is the one thing he kind of let slip, and the one thing he kind of let take him over. Yeah, I the think one temptation. It, it, it still really works in the context of you know. Her, her being the the, the precursor to, to Batman, and this rejection of it here is is not a rejection because he doesn't want it or anything like that. It's just that no, no he need, he needs to be the honest cop, and for for this to work, and and ultimately that's what it, it's going to be. You know, with Batman, even that relationship, he still needs to be the honest cop at the end of the day for the for the prosecutions to go through, and and he needs to have that that position of authority uh, and clarity for the for the law otherwise it's meaningless yeah that said though i don't think it's purely a uh, like a tactics thing like that I, I don't think i think it's more about how he feels about it rather than just oh, because yeah. he he thinks about it in foreign events goes oh this would mean i can't do this and that no no i just mean thematically yeah. as we're reading it the, the thematic link between him having to give up essen and then him being this this honest cop to you know kind of giving up batman in the sense of He's not going to just go down the same path and, and do his well, own I, thing within the police system. I, I, He's well, going to be I, the honest cop. I think that's what I'm getting at, though, is that I, I think you keep using the phrase honest cop, but I think the point is here is that he's going to be an honest cop in a lot of the ways you just said, but the idea being that the, the cop side of him is the side that he's willing to actually alter and, and sort of do something different in. It's the idea of being an honest husband that he needs to be. He can't not be the honest husband. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's fair and that that's ultimately what he he kind of he, ma he makes that choice he makes the choice where okay if there's going to be one side that compromises it can't be that side of him uh and he makes that choice uh so and then we have some of the Catwoman stuff where she's been stealing stuff from from the rich rich people and is pissed that batman's maybe getting the credit for it on tv yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of lead in here where they mentioned on the news that oh there's the unheard of plastics that when you know when chemicals they're making these plastics that are lightweight and durable and and then it, yeah can't imagine that going anywhere bad yeah and of course that leads you see him with the glider uh, the big bat wing thing and him sort of dancing around but he ends up crossing paths with Catwoman at Falcone's place Falcone wants his nephew to uh, to do some dirty deeds and. 
Batman's listening in and Catwoman ends up sort of ruining the whole thing by getting involved. And this even just leads to more confusion as the press thing that Catwoman's working in cahoots with Batman. They even call her Batman's assistant, which he, which she's uh, very upset about. Maybe yeah, Un- understandably so. Yeah. Uh, so, no, really good stuff uh, for the most part. But again, yeah, you probably could sort of take a lot of this out. Uh, but, but this is obviously where the idea is born from. The idea that they're not going to get away with this, uh, the, you know, without with Gordon. So. The idea to go after his child to stop this from happening so Loeb calls Gordon gets him out of the house so that Barbara's left alone with the baby and but he kind of understand you know he's smart enough to realize wait a minute this is so weird why am I being called out for this really routine you know break-in and he sees this guy in the bike go past which actually turns out to be Bruce it's not actually the bad guys but it's it's kind of but it, it triggers it for him yeah but there is something to be said that Bruce is already on his way to sort of help protect. with this he's already yeah. he, he's already figured out as well he's heard what you know what was said it, in the hospital it, room it boils down to how bruce is always ahead of gordon really at the end of the day isn't he but you know so gordon doubles back and they've already got the baby uh and there's a great moment where after the firefight where you know the mysterious man who is in shadow and barbara's got the gun on him and he's like i won't let your boy die so it's this you know race to the finish we end up in the bridge and Gordon's struggling with the with the nephew who's holding the baby at the edge of the bridge and the baby of course falls over and that's when Bruce just gets there in time and dives off and we get the gorgeous silhouette uh, shot of him catching the baby as everyone's falling. Yeah. Everyone's falling. Whereas it, it's not like a huge fall so the others are like, oh, it's fine, we can swim. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a baby. <laughs> yeah. And... You know, Bruce hands the baby back, and he's not in costume or anything. You know, he's just because it's daytime. Yeah, that's something yeah. that was mentioned earlier on. He, he, made a, he made a big point where Alfred's like, "Shall I get the you know the costume?" He's like, "No, never in daylight." Which it's kind of funny now because um, I mean, I say that, but um, Dark Knight Rises, you know, when he comes out in daytime you know, at the end of that movie, is a huge deal. Uh, even as as commentary, it's so rare to see, right? Yeah, well, even those movies make a point of saying he never does it in daytime. Dark Knight makes that point multiple times, so oh, yeah. it's notable that he does it in Dark Knight Rises. It's a big oh, deal. I'm, I'm saying it, it makes that point in its own trilogy. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but I mean, even as seasoned comic fans who've read a lot, it's so rare to see him in the costume in daylight. Yeah, you know, before that. <clears throat> yeah. So, and it makes a point. You know, Gordon's glasses get knocked over, and he's practically blind without them, so he can't see the face. And he makes it clear that. The, like, you know, whoever he's talking to, this Batman, whoever it is, he's making it clear that I, I can't tell who you are. I don't know who it's, you are it's right like, now. I, I don't want to see you right now. Yeah. It's fine. Just go. And, you know, we get the final page wrap-up of them saying, oh, they're prosecuting, you know, Flash and yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, Loeb's, you know, not going down, but he's he's getting his resignation sort of lined up with the mayor and, and so on. And it ends with that sort of famous moment. And do you know what's funny? Is I always remembered in my my memory there'd been a bat signal here <laughs> for this last page, and there isn't. I no, I see why you can think that. Um it's the shot is so laid out with it like designed to, to, to be in the background almost. Like you know it's gonna be there in the future. Yeah, there's actually empty space in the panel. The, the rooftop shot of Gordon standing and there's, there's there's space for the bat signal. Uh but it's basically I'm saying, yeah, well there's something, you know happening someone's threatened to you know poison the gotham Re- reservoir calls himself the joker but i've got a friend showing up who may be able to help you know it's just him waiting for the batman to show up and you know it's, it's, it's very again if you compare it to the movies it's, it's obviously easy to see how the end of batman begins took kind of a similar idea here it, it 
it built on it, but the core mo built, like the core beat of that moment is this moment here. Yeah. So no, it's 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 kind of a the perfect ending because because the story of this book more than anything else is getting Gordon and Batman to a point where they're willing to work with each other. Yeah, I, I think there's an argument that this is almost more of a Gordon story than it is a as a Batman story. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's true to a, a point, but I I don't like putting it that way mainly because I think the whole point of focusing more on Gordon is that you have to focus on the more real character to really sell the idea of this more fantastical element. You know, the sure. guy who dresses up in the bat suit and does all these things. Uh, Gordon is absolutely does get more panel time. I don't think there's any, you know, any doubt about that. But it's all about the idea of the Batman and like the city accepting him and, and Gordon accepting him. Uh, you know, the, the Batman is, is is the core facet that makes the whole thing kind of kind of tick. Uh, mm -hmm. And and Gordon is this wonderful character to to view it through because he's the character who feels the need for someone like Batman. He's the character who sees the corruption. He's the character who wants to do something about it but can't. He's the character who has to try and deal with that corruption like hands on and fails. There's a lot of reasons why Gordon's the perfect you know lens to view this story through and that's mm -hmm. probably why i was picked that's probably why miller had the idea in the first place was to do it from this perspective yes because he he was a damn fine writer once upon a time yes that's why i said i very explicitly said was <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean i don't have as much to say because i think you know the first three issues i had a lot of analytical sort of things to to say uh, about the way that it flowed you know panel to panel page to page i think this issue if I have a complaint, is that it's maybe almost a little bit too jam-packed uh, in terms of like how much stuff it's got in there. And maybe removing the Catwoman stuff would be what lets it breathe a little bit. I think so. I think for me as well, like it's it's a it's a lighter conversation because it's the final issue. There's nothing new that it's bringing to the table in terms of themes or anything like that. Mm. It's just closing off those beats that it played up in the first three issues. Everything it introduced, it's paying off here. So... We've kind of already spoken about all those beats, uh, the, those thematic ideas over the past three issues. So the, here it is just closing them off, following through on them. They're all here, uh, and they're all delivered on in a pretty satisfying way. It's still a, a really great issue. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So uh, that's that's pretty much it. Obviously, the art's really good again. Uh, it's been very consistent throughout. A uh, lot of atmosphere in it, uh, if nothing else. And... It is worth mentioning, I think, as well, that you know we end essentially. But there's been so much nighttime and so much grittiness throughout the story that it, I think it is notable that the final showdown, that sort of the moment where Gordon kind of reconsiders how he feels about Batman, happens in daylight. I think that's a really interesting it's, choice. It's very much you know Batman stepping out into the light and and showing that no, no, no he's willing to take these steps, no matter the time of day, right? You know, he'll mm. he'll do what he has to do. And he'll be there regardless. It's it's uh, it is smart to do it that way. I think. Yeah. Uh, so no, uh, there you go. What are you giving Batman four oh seven? I'm gonna give it an eight point five. I am knocking off maybe half a point for the Catwoman stuff feeling you know ancillary there, but other than that, it's pretty great. No, I agree. Eight point five. I think it's interesting that the first two parts of this four part story uh, are like basically masterpieces of, of issues and yeah then, they, i think we gave them like nines or 9.5s maybe yeah i might even give one of them a 10 to be honest if, if I remember no, right. well then. uh and these these you know th the third and fourth parts are still very 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 good very very great even but it is notable that like 
uh, you know, just if you look at a, 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 the curve, if you will, there are, you know, the, the last half is slightly lower than the first half. And I wonder if that is because it doesn't introduce necessarily a new element kind of in the back half to sort of, spe- you know, kind of respace it up a little bit again. Uh, or argument, as- arguably the element it does focus on, which is the newer element, is, is Catwoman, which ultimately mm. feels like it doesn't go anywhere. Um, so yeah. it's not as satisfying as, as the other beats that it introduced in the first two. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, but no, uh, obviously, I mean, that's a minor critique because obviously if you take it as a whole, if you read it in one sitting as a, as a four-part story, it's one of the most exceptional uh, bat books there is. It's It's been used to to sort of reframe how we think of the character and has done since, you know, it came out in the, the, the mid to late 80s. And here we are. Yeah, and uh, that is how most people experience this story now. Um, we, in in terms of right now, we're in the minority of people reading this issue by issue. Oh, uh, obviously, sure, yeah. as it came out, that's, that was the only way. But since then, uh, it, it's 90% of people, if, if not more, read this just as one book, um, including us in the past, I'm sure. So it, it's... Uh, it definitely, I'd say it maybe reads a little bit better just reading it all at once because it just, uh, the flaws aren't as, as obviously highlighted in the back half. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably yeah. fair. So, there you go. Wonder Woman issue 12, Brian Azzarello, rating with, uh, uh, I've got the wrong artist down here. It's, it's Cliff Chang. <laughs> it's Cliff Chang, yes. Uh, I still had whoever did, like, two issues ago written down. Uh, so... Uh, 28 kins or whatever his name is so yeah. yes uh issue 12 here so we're actually that's the second trade done if we're, if we're going by trades here this is the end of the second trade uh there was the was the zero issue in the third trade then uh yes because I, I i i read the trade so yes it was the last issue okay it. fair enough yeah. so it must be uh if it's in any of them even yeah, and, and the only reason I know the zero issues next is because it's after every issue twelve of this period of the new fifty two. That is true. I, I mean, I hated those theme months because it was like everything just stopped for whatever gimmick they had. Oh, it was so annoying. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yes. So Wonder Woman issue twelve. We left off last time with the big cliffhanger. Wonder Woman's in heaven. There he fight. Olympus. Olympus. Thank you. Uh, there he fight. Uh, Apollo and, and everyone else. Artemis mainly. Artemis mainly, yeah, sure. But like Apollo's the one taking the throne and all the rest of yep. it. Uh, so this issue's a big action issue yet again, which is funny because typically what I've said in the last like four or five issues is that I'm not in love with this draw and I've made that very clear, probably from about issue three or four. It's, it's kind of dipped for, for me and I'm just not super into it. But the one thing that's been really good at is the action... And when it tends to focus on that, I tend to enjoy the issue more. Now, I'm not going to... And this is not leading up to me saying the action, this is bad. Not, I'm not saying that at all. As uh, if you got a little bit numb to it. Yeah, yeah maybe, it's, maybe it's that. Maybe it's just the fact that I feel like the action in this... It felt so seeped into so many characters talking to each other about what was going on that the action, instead of being like a really simple premise where, okay, you've got these characters in a fight in this location, they're doing cool things, the fight's really intense... Instead of that, there was a lot of dialogue in between because they're, they're constantly doing their, their you know, all, all of their, they're talking about who's living, who's dying, who's becoming God, who's getting the throne, who's whatever. Who's becoming God. Who, who's talking, who's taking Zola, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I have to admit, I, I found this issue kind of 
I don't want to say it was a shorty read because it's still a fairly quick read because you know the art and the, the uh, writing. There, there are multiple pages where there are like one or two word panel, you know, word boxes, and that's it. And there, and it's just action. But so I, it it definitely doesn't read as slow as some other things you could be choosing. Yeah. However, th- this issue, despite the fact that it was a lot of action, it was still simultaneously everything I don't really like about the run that much. <laughs> I get that. I think um, personally, I found it quite an exhilarating issue because I was into it. Uh, this is very much the conclusion to. I, I mean, the second trade, sure, but it's more the, if anything, the first arc. I would say, really. Mm-hmm. Um, this this feels like the the payoff to the stuff that we've been building since issue one with uh, rescuing you know Zola, um, and for me who's been into that stuff, uh, this this was really up there uh, in terms of the the issues that we've had of this book for me. Um, it felt like it really tied together a lot of elements. We had uh, various gods and stuff that had been woven throughout various issues, really coming together at the forefront here, uh, and their relationships being utilized in a way that was set up really nicely throughout the, the previous 11 issues for me um and it's just accented by the, the fantastic art that that uh, makes some of the the particular beats uh diana's beats uh, main beat in particular you know with the the gauntlets uh, is uh one of my favorite moments of uh of, of this book so far i think uh well she takes them off too because because you know she's going to fight artemis and she's like uh, these belong to you. So the idea being that they're actually a weakness if she's fighting Artemis. Yeah, the the idea that that Artemis, you know, saw these they're, they're your best defense, and she's like, no, 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 there they were there were more restraints, uh, cuffs, I think is the word she uses, mm. uh, and she's just unfiltered from that point. And the the next page is a, a phenomenal page of her you know, beating the shit out of Artemis uh, with this gorgeously you know red uh, background throughout it all. Yeah, I have to admit, I love that page. Really? <laughs> I, I think that's one of the best pages so far. It's not as purely drawing, by any means. It's just... Compared to some of the fights that have been in this issue, I just... I don't... I don't feel the fight here. Like, I feel like this should have been more of a... Like a... Like a difficult fight to win it, but it feels like she just comes in and, like, dominates her, and it's, like, nothing. Uh, I just... I don't know. Like, it didn't sell me on how difficult it would be, be to fight her, so I didn't really feel the... The actual triumph of doing so, if that makes sense. Uh, fair enough. The, the only word I can use to describe um, reading that page for me would be uh, exhilarating. I would say uh, the 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 flow and the pacing of the fight, the way it builds, uh, for me is is excellent. And like I say, you know, and then you have Apollo cut them off at the end, just as you know she's won, she's got defeated, and it, it, it I feel that interruption in the pacing uh, in in a very intentional way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it all builds up. Uh, uh, Zola's water's broken. Uh, Diana makes a deal with Apollo uh, for him not to come after the baby. And he basically agrees to this. However, uh, if this baby does end up being the, the one that the prophecy's about, he'll slay the god to take the throne, then, like, Diana herself will have to kill it. We actually get to see if she agrees to that, but given that she comes back and not, she's not the, getting chased... The... The assumption is that she did. Yes. Right. That would I would agree with that. But Zola's in uh, giving birth. Uh, the others are outside, and then the twist here at the end of this 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 issue, the, the end of the arc, as you put it, after twelve issues, 
is that Hermes uh, pull, pulls a heel turn and steals the baby. He's delivering the baby for a start, and then he just yep. disappears with it. And yeah, I mean, it, it makes point of, well, he is the god of thieves, uh, so not not that surprising, really. Yeah, and we see uh, we see him take it to... Uh, Demeter. Demeter, yes. I was looking for it there. The, uh, the weird poison ivy knockoff. And then there's a final page tease... Go- Go- Goddess of the Harvest that was introduced last issue. No, I remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just you know, giving her the, the respect that she deserved that it's not just Poison Ivy knockoff. And I remembered her being the Poison Ivy knockoff, which is why I'm calling her that again. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the final page teases... Uh, can I have a wrong? Is this teasing Orion? It is, know? yes. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we get, we're doing New God stuff uh, yeah. for the next part of the book, which uh, Interesting. I remember being very exciting. Now, can I just say, I complained last issue that once again, oh, Zola getting kidnapped, right? This issue ended with, oh, the baby got kidnapped. Can, can we do a, like, can we go two issues without either Zola or a baby getting kidnapped, please? Sure, I, I get that uh, appeal. That uh, <laughs> you might want that. I'm just sick of one, it. No, I get it. I think this one works for me in that it's a very different kidnapping. It is ultimately boils down to someone got kidnapped. Um, but I think it's the shock of the thing they've been trying to protect the whole time got kidnapped by someone they thought was an ally. That kind of makes it land for me. I mean, I get the heel turn aspect of it. It's just, I feel like we've done this a bunch of times though. So much, yeah. so much of this book up until now has been trying to retrieve someone from the from a god of some kind or a whatever. You know, like it's just, it's yeah. been that over and over again. Yeah, no arguing with that. Uh, I, I I'm not really gonna defend it. Not really. <laughs> uh, I think it's a very valid cr- criticism to have. I want someone to go back and actually count how many times. Uh, someone's been kidnapped and because uh, Wonder Woman even herself was technically kidnapped by uh, Hades Hades yeah so uh, no it's fair because I've, I've made this complaint in, in other things there was um, there's a season of Doctor Who where mm. every single episode ends with the cliffhanger of they're about to die and I, I got so annoyed like because it's fine you know, like, you know, like, I know that they're not really going to die and, and it's fine you can pull that cliffhanger every so often with me knowing that and it's still okay to do, right? Mm-hmm. But when it was every episode for like six in a row, I got angry. Like, <laughs> I got angry when it ended on that again. <laughs> so I get the feeling. I really do. This has to be at least the fourth kidnapping in 12 issues. We've had at least Zola twice, the baby, and Wonder Woman once. Yes. Yeah. so this has to be at least the fourth. At least fourth, yeah. Four out of 12 is... A pretty lot. high yeah. that's, a, that's yeah. a pretty yeah. high occurrence so yeah. uh, I, I will be making this a thing when we read more issues of this if there's any more kidnappings K- kidnap counter there's going to be a kidnap counter I want someone to go back and just confirm that that's the only four if there was more then I want to know <laughs> I mean I don't re- explicitly remember anymore but I can't say for sure that there wasn't this is this is like when you're watching the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you have to keep track of how many times Jails gets knocked out over the course of the show because it's a lot. Both. Oh, God, if that was a drinking game. <laughs> There's a Jails knockout counter. The man gets knocked out a lot in that show. Uh, anyway, uh, what are you giving Wonder Woman issue uh, 12? I'm going to give it an 8.5. Uh, I think it's a, a fantastic ending to the arc. Um, and, uh, it, it teases the, 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 the New God stuff really nicely. That, that final panel in particular with the, the boom. Uh, of, of the uh, the boom tube is gorgeous so yeah i'm into it cool i hope i like it more than this this past bunch of stuff maybe if we get into new god stuff i might like it more so uh for for me this was like a i don't know 5.5 5. 5, maybe 
Fair enough. Like I think we've got the we've got the zero issue. I think that is unrelated to the new god stuff. Although oh. I could be wrong. I don't remember it. I'll be honest. I well. forgot we'd have to do a zero issue. I forgot yeah, that was going to be a thing. Uh, uh, I, what was the one after zero? Was it villains next? I think it was villains. Yeah, and then it was like the future one after that, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Future and then. I don't know because obviously the zero issues were very much every book zero issue was pretty relevant right you know it was always the same team same writer you know so it was okay you kind of had to read it It was always included in the oh, yeah. some, some of the books some of the books had like four villains issues and some of them were completely irrelevant to uh, yeah anything. some some books had like two villain issues but neither of them were written by the main team and were actually relevant to the book so i don't remember in regards to wonder woman if any of them were relevant i feel like it had one relevant issue um but it'll be a complete surprise to me as to which villain it was at the time because I don't, I don't remember at all yeah all right uh the flash issue 69 uh mark wade writing with plot assist by as this book credited him as jerry jones uh for whatever reason uh, but greg lorox on the art so this is definitely the flash issue because the artist obviously tells us that uh, if you were if you were at all confused, as if the cover didn't. You know what I mean, though. Like they've kept the same, you know, the the, the regular artist on it. Uh, yeah. And you know, this starts kind of as we expected with the the same sort of event happening with them moving into the castle, uh, but from Wally's perspective, and we get to hear what he was up to, and it reestablishes some of the same details. But he gets a call from Linda where he agreed to be on a TV show on her talk show that morning. As Connor's getting more booze. Uh, <laughs> do, do you say more booze? Like, I've had a lot. You don't know how much I've had. I don't need to. <laughs> Screw you. Uh, so, he's going to race around the planet, because it's two minutes. But, he, he, obviously, he, he's not even fast enough to get to, to the other side of the planet at that, that time. So, he uses, he uses their teleporter after he assembles it. He has it. to assemble it very yes. quickly, yeah. And he decides, you know what? I've got time now. I'm going to make some food and check my... Uh, whatever my phone messages or something <laughs> whatever yeah. he's doing it, get, it gets very annoyed that the microwave even takes too long yes well given that he only has two minutes from the phone call to when he's supposed to be on camera and this all happens in that two minutes uh but this explains why he was he was uh didn't stay back and answer the phone so it, it retroactively made this less of a dick move because he was running late for something for linda <laughs> yeah that felt like a particularly breezy move last time yeah right? Uh, Whereas here it's like, yeah, it's okay, I get it, it's fine. Uh, that's, that's what you've got a machine there for. But he does, uh, as he's running on the way to the TV studio, he encounters Hector Hammond, who is causing chaos with a bus. People are falling out of the bus and everything. And, and Hammond's like, oh, yes, perfect. Yeah, basically this was a trap for the Flash, because I'll describe, because there's a bit of fighting here where there's a lot of bricks involved and Wally's running Flashed, around. you know, you know. Well, Ollie doesn't quite know who he is. He's like, you're that yeah. guy, Hiram. He's like, Hector. Yes, he's very offended. But what this boils down to, how to describe this, Hector Hammond wants transportation to Africa to go to Gorilla City. So he essentially, with his powers, uses Wally as a, like a horse and cart, where he's like the, the cart, <laughs> and Wally's it's like... A, it's a rickshaw, I believe, is exactly the, the, the word that Wally uses. Oh, is that the word Wally uses? Uh, but he's literally running across the Atlantic Ocean, and there's like a psychic energy holding now, Hector. Here, to here's him. the thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hector Hammond has a floating chair. He does. Maybe the chair can only go so fast, though. Maybe this is much faster than the chair. 
shows top speed. Yeah, but how long was he having to go, oh, maybe I'll just see a flash shows up. Yeah, but what, a few buses. Yeah, but what if it's like an electric wheelchair where the top speed's like five miles an hour? Get on a plane. <laughs> but then he has to wait in line, he has to go through security, you know, there's a whole, he has to buy a ticket, he has to pay for it, for a start, he's a villain, he's only like paying for things. It, it was the 90s, security was quicker to get through. <laughs> oh dear, so that's how he ends up in Africa. Uh, he does explain a little bit of backstory for Hector Hammond, for anyone who doesn't know, you know, just kind of roughly who he is, that Green Lantern fought him, yada yada yada. I felt this issue was actually more expositionary than the, the Green Lantern one that we had. I think that's because in this one, Hector basically explains who he is as just to Wally in dialogue, whereas with Grodd last issue, it was more about kind of Grodd doing his plan and then seeing the reaction of various characters to it. So he kind of got it through in a smarter way. But I wonder if that's just a simple case of like the the roles they both play in the plot as opposed to like the skill of the writers like failing them, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, it could be. I mean, far be it from me to to say that Wade is a, a worse writer than, than Jones. That would be a, a very damning statement. Yeah, I mean, he's um, a fantastic writer. We know this. <laughs> it, it, no, exactly. However, yes. that said, I think I might enjoy this issue less than the previous one. I think that's fair. Do you think you'd have felt differently if you'd read this one first? No. No, well, at the end of the day, I think the other one has more going on that feels interesting like you know you've got the the, the bureau of the the animals uh it, it feels like it's it's bouncing around a bit more it's got a bit more movement whether you necessarily like all of that stuff or not is a different question but it feels like there's more going on uh, and then you get to the grudge stuff at the end whereas this here really i felt like we spent a good 10 pages in the middle just well we'll do a three-page fight with hammond and then we'll have him explain what's going on for about four pages That's and that... I, I felt that drag this one feels like it's got less to do. So I, I think this is almost just a short straw of, like, what... Because this is less about Wally, less about Flash, and more about what Hector Hammond's role is in the, the plot. Yes. And I think that's what lets this one suffer more than the Grodd one, because Grodd's actually doing a lot more things. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, which is why so I, far. I ultimately don't think it would matter which way around I read these. I think I would still prefer the Green Lantern issue. Yeah. Basically, Wally tricks them when they get to the jungle... He goes so fast that the Hector is uncomfortable, shall we say? <laughs> so he eventually yells him to stop. It basically, the idea is it's kind of like just like you know the brakes in a car if you're going really fast, so someone goes through the windshield. It's essentially the, the same thing as that, where yeah. Hector goes flying because he's tricked him into making him stop. So that's Wally running through the jungle. He runs into Green Lantern, which is how we ended the, the first issue as well. So this is where we end. So Green Lantern is next, and then Flash issue seventy comes later so next next episode we will be talking about green lantern issue th 31. 31 sorry yeah because uh, it says read the other side of this in issue 30 uh first yes which is where because obviously that. originally i believe these two came out on the same day so it yeah. was even though it is labeled as such maybe maybe you weren't a regular green lantern reader and you just went to your shop and picked up this issue got to the end and went ah shit back to the shop yeah it does maybe feel that like you could potentially just read one of them, but it does. I, I do get the impression that you have to read both of the next like two because it's definitely. I feel like it's going to be more linear now. I agree. I think these two definitely feel like. Yeah, I mean, if you miss one, it's no big deal. But it, it definitely seems. You know, we'll judge accordingly, but it seems like the next two are very much parts three and it's, four it's, appropriately. Whereas this, I mean, either one of these could have been one or two. 
it's kind of smart actually when you think about it it's basically getting you into the crossover either way so even if you don't go back and read the other issue if you're invested in the story and want all say you know like the rest of the story you have to then know you're getting the other one for the next time yeah if you don't want to go back to your shop at the time obviously and pick up in in this case you don't want to go back to the shop and pick up green lantern 30 you'd be like okay fine i'll read flash i'll just get green lantern 31 next time and go from there yeah and it, I feel like it would probably work fine. Yeah, no, I think that's fine. Uh, well, it was an okay issue, though, as much as it wasn't maybe as good. I, I mean, I did like the voice for the characters better in this issue, even if the actual events of this issue were less exciting. That's fair. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's, 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 that's not bad. Uh, I mean, I think this crossover isn't going to be anything special. It kind of feels like it's just going to be a fun little romp. Uh, it, it feels forgettable between the two characters uh i think it's interesting that you know starting wage run we had the year one story which feels like a really prominent part of the run that's important i don't think and uh, you know we enjoyed relatively speaking the abracadabra like two or three part or whatever that was but yeah. I, it doesn't feel like we've gotten to the next big part of the run yet uh which is fine not every art can be the big you know no it feels like we came out really strong with with uh with the year one stuff and then it's like and here's just some stuff to, to tide you over until the next big thing, right? Is is kind of the feeling I'm getting right now. Yeah. So, but hey, uh, it was, uh, not bad though. What, what are you going to give this issue? Uh, I'm going to give it a 6.5. I'm docking a little bit just for overexposition. Yeah, that's fair. I'll give it a 7. I, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's good. It's not great. You know, I, like you say, it feels a little bit like, oh, we'll have the fight with with Hammond. Uh, I did love the visual of him sort of riding on while he's back across the Atlantic Ocean, though, I have to admit that there's something just yeah, simply kind of fun. beautiful about that that I can get into. Uh, but that is The Flash 69. Birds of Prey, issue three, Chuck Dixon writing with Greg Land on the art, uh, as we've had the last couple issues. This is the conclusion to this first three arc, or three part story, sorry, three arc story. <laughs> but three part story. I mean, we, we might get one later. We might, we might indeed. Uh, so, I quite enjoyed this issue. I th- I think the... I, I've liked this first arc. Now that we've had all three parts of it, I kind of like how distinct each issue's felt in it. Where the first one was about to sort of try to sneak in and find out what's happening. And then you introduce Bard at the end of the issue. And then issue two is them trying to escape and all this stuff. And then this issue, I, I really like the conceit of... In the camp, you've, you've got Canary and, and Bard trying to escape and... The idea that he's blind, so she's kind of leading the blind man through the jungle and the dodging alligators and all the rest of it. But I love the the aspect, and it's kind of what makes Birds of Prey work so well, even this early on, is the idea of having the person back, you know, uh, at the computer in the chair who's trying to help, but she can't find her. I loved her and Tim, Babs and Tim, sitting with the maps, trying to figure out, okay, where could they be? <laughs> like, what, you know, there's this much jungle in real Asia you know the made-up country <laughs> um yes and we're trying to find out with that I, I, every time i felt the pacing was really good because of that the, the way it was bouncing back and forth between them uh it's kind of the same thing that makes uh something like die hard or even under siege work really well is where you cut to the people who are on the outside of the situation trying to help from the other side it, it just gives it this this breather mm-hmm. so that when you cut back to the the action in this case canary um it feels fresh again, even though it's just the very next part of that scene. Yeah, and it does a smart little thing here as well, where because remember we we teased Blockbuster at the end of the last one shot before we started the the series, and this actually kind of teases more of that stuff in this issue. 
and it's a really fun little jokey way as well where like oh we have to like pay the the the, the, the ransom that's been demanded for canary and it's like oh he wants you know two million dollars or whatever it is and tim's like wait you have that money and she says oh i know someone who does though and i actually thought oh, oh she's going to take it from bruce because bruce could afford it and then you... i did too but no just take it from a criminal much easier yeah she's basically just stolen it from blockbuster who's like throwing computers around and his uh tech he's like well i tried to stop you know this oracle but you know my, my tech just couldn't keep up <laughs> my hardware just couldn't yeah. do it uh I you know I really enjoyed that aspect of the uh, the book. Uh, she does get a message from her her pen pal, but she doesn't answer because she's too busy trying to help Dana. Uh, I'm sure that's coming up soon. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get to more of that. But at least so far, that's where we are with it. Uh, and we do the whole thing with Hellhound, where he wants to fight Canary. He's, he's sick of chasing people who can't fight back, so he wants the showdown. Do you know, this really would make a good action movie, just on the premise alone of what it is. Like the idea that he like finds her after they've already gotten away from everyone else and it's like no this is the end of the line we're going to have her one-on-one fight now uh yeah and, and the way he talks about it with with pajamas being like no i'm, I'm gonna let her go i'm gonna give her a head start but i think she has a chance he, he wants that that thrill <clears throat> of the the hunt and the chase it's not just for him it, this isn't just a job about stopping people running away no he he, he wants he wants the fun the challenge yeah and again, it's very much uh, like Under Siege 2. You've got the main bad guy, but then you've got the enforcer underneath who wants to fight, who wants to go one-on-one to prove himself with the, the main hero kind of thing. So you, yeah. you've got those elements. You've got those 90s action movie elements kind of creeping in there. I think it works really well uh, in the context of the story. Um, now, Matilda, we do have to talk about the fact that, that Canary and Bard are both very scantily clad. Their clothes are all ripped. They re- it gets worse as it goes on. Yeah, they really wanted her, you know, the, the whole almost Raquel Welsh kind of thing going with Canary, where she's... Yeah, they, they repeatedly make a point of telling us how good-looking she is. Like, mm-hmm. she's looking like models or actresses, whoever they name drop, I can't remember. Uh, they, they, say Sharon, they say Sharon Stone at one point, I'm sure. Yeah, I think... They did. They did someone else as well. I'm sure, but I, I remember a couple of times where I'm like, "Okay, I get it." And Land leans into that a lot. <laughs> I mean, I get, yeah, it's a bit cheesecakey, and I, I don't necessarily mind that if that's the tone of the book's going to be. I the funny thing is, though, is I don't necessarily know if the rest of the the book otherwise actually feels like it belongs with that tone. Uh, it's just kind of isolated on its own that it likes to do this as well because it's a comic book. And it's for teenage boys, so here's... Yeah, but I mean, the problem is, it is very in keeping with the aesthetic of those, you know, 80s, 90s action movies. That's true. That's true. Because she's essentially got this ripped shirt that she's got tied around her chest, you know, that kind of sort of shown off her abdomen, which I I get it. She's in, like, a really hot climate. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's it's the way it gets ripped as it goes on, and it just... There becomes more and more cleavage as, as, as the issue wears through. Yes, I can only imagine all, all this, like, she's taking on, like, an entire army of men at some point, and she's doing all this kicking and punching and ducking and diving, and, like, I can't imagine that's very convenient without a bra. <laughs> this is basically my, my thought. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why she's got the shirt tied as high and tight as she does. It's like, this is the best chance she's got for, for any sort of containment. I, I guess. Uh, I, I, I don't know if there's any physics or logic to, to support that, but... <laughs> It's, it's the best I've got. Uh, so, you know, it is, it is what it is. It's very cheesecakey, and you kind of have to accept it and just go with it. But we'll, we'll, just, uh, we'll point on, it out. On, on little little bits in the art, did someone slip the colorist a note about Bard's hair? Because at the end of last issue, when it revealed he was blind, 
his hair looks significantly darker and we said he looked you know kind of like you know matt murdoch that's right yeah he looked more ginger and then yeah. here he is extremely blonde like ex- extremely like nearly canary levels of blonde for a lot of the book yeah there's some panels where he's actually more blonde looking yeah it's a little inconsistent yeah. but it's definitely always lighter than it was last time i wonder if someone saw that and went yeah okay that looked a little daredevil uh colorist yeah could you lighten that up a bit while he's while he's blind at least yeah but of course they're getting to like almost freedom and hellhound catches up and wants to fight her uh so we get them fighting it's a very good fight to be honest they've got the size and mm. she ends up getting one of them and stabbing him in the foot and yeah so the cavalry's came in because bart babs called in the the, the armed forces and whatnot so jackie pajamas did get away but they're you know uh they've saved all the hostages and uh it kind of ends in this sort of downbeat note of like you know dana's like hey why did you let that one get away he seems all right and she's like yeah i mean he saved your life but i just wish he'd saved mine as well and it ends in this kind of somber note of like an old photograph of them on her computer uh yeah, yeah no it was really I, I think this issue was really uh fast paced felt really action-packed I, I never really felt it slowed down or get in the way of itself and the one time it did like sort of take a break to tease something else it was a really funny joke that you know was led into by what we're doing yeah it's it's hard to complain it's a really solid issue yeah um i think it's it's held back by you know some of the the cheesecakey art but again and you know you want to forgive it because it's leading into the trappings of the the genre rather than just being cheesecakey comicky but yeah a couple of little things there but i mean it's a solid first arc that's for sure yeah um and i think i like the arc as a whole even more i said this last issue about revealing like the context of that opening scene but i think uh, the more this, ish, this this arc went i like i think each part elevated the arc as a whole even though yeah, there's some art issues with the cheesecake and uh this the sleaziness of some of the visuals i think but other than that it's um it's an arc that i think will benefit on a reread mm. if that makes sense yeah how like there are there are tv shows where you're watching from the start and the first few episodes are like eh, it's fine but if you go back after you've watched the whole tv show and you care about the characters you enjoy it a lot more uh, and you know where it's going i feel like the same with this art where i know where it's going i know some of the, these things that like in that first issue that didn't have context at the time and felt weird now i know where it's going and i, I understand and might enjoy more the second time around and i have to really compliment the use of jason bard here and how he because in the first issue he offered this really funny twist at the end in the second issue, we got a lot of drama out of him. Like, is he really working for the bad guys? Oh no, thankfully he is work. He's a good guy, and he's he's there to save people, and he's going to help Dana. And there was a lot of good sort of like action and drama taken from that in issue two. And then issue three, he becomes this really interesting like uh, extra sort of burden for Dana, so that it's not too easy for her, where she has to like guide a blind man as she's doing this. It has this extra yeah. caveat that makes the action just a little bit more interesting. So I, I think he was using a really good mechanical device throughout which yeah it, it was, was uh was pretty solid i know um ne- it says next time return of the ravens and i'm just wondering um, uh, one shot next yeah is, is the one shot next okay because i didn't know if that was going to be like the end of the arc that it would follow up on with the ravens or whatever whatever the next arc is but yeah um next issue that's fine yeah. by me and and the trade anyway it's the next issue so we're going to do it next as the uh, birds of the prey ravens issue one i think it's called so yeah uh yeah pretty simple so that's the next one but yeah we're going to rate this one then connor uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. It's it's close to the 8, don't get me wrong. It's really close, but just a couple of little things hold it back. I think I will give it the 8 because I had such a fun time reading it. I mean, obviously, 
there are, there are you know, some some of the nitpicks we talked about and things to, to mention but i'm impressed with this arc and i think i i, I love the first one shot that we did way back at the start of the show and I've, I've generally enjoyed most of what came after it but i think that was always the best one i think this arc is the first time it's felt kind of up to that par again and um, I agree. No, no single issue has felt up to that. But that was a double size, yeah. maybe longer issue. Uh, yeah, I don't I think, how long that was? I think it was like sixty pages. It about, so it's probably I was going to say about fifty. So yeah. you know, but either way, I think as a, as a whole, this three issue arc is on the standard with that first issue. Uh, just, um, but it's it's more than the sum of its parts. I would say, uh, like the individual issues aren't quite that good, but taken as a whole, it it is up to that. Yeah. No, it's really good. So I'm looking forward to reading more. Uh, I'm looking forward more to issue four than I am this one shot, admittedly. But, <laughs> like, you know, we'll see what it's yeah. like. I mean, this one shot might be really relevant, given that, you know, it does say, you know, the, at the end of this issue here, it says next time, you know, Return of the Ravens. So I'm like, okay, yeah. they, they were very clearly setting that up in the main book. Yeah, or maybe it'll be very standalone, but they just chose to bring something back from it, and that's why they've put it in the trade here, is it? Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out in context, I'm sure. All right. So, GSA, issue 11, Jeff Johns and David Goyer writing with... Now, I got this from DC Wiki. I don't remember reading this on the page, but I just said Buzz on art. <laughs> uh, it was... Buzz was on the... There was there was, there was was someone doing pencils and someone doing the the breakdowns. Right. Uh, so, Buzz was doing the, the pencils, and we had Bear, uh, B-A-I-R, that is, on, the, on breakdowns. Buzz and Bear. Buzz and Bear. That still yeah. sounds made up to me. This doesn't sound uh, yeah. real. I, I know, but that I'm I'm checking. I'm looking at the credits page in the issue right now. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, JSC issue eleven, and you know things escalate very quickly. <laughs> and I this was one of those issues where I read the first page. I went, oh, it's this oh, one. we're doing this story. Yeah, it's this one. Yeah, I did the same thing as soon as I saw uh, Al's mom in the plane. I went, oh, it's this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I knew what it was. It starts off with Al, Al of course, Rustin being uh, Atom Smasher, in case you've not got all the names yet. And I wouldn't blame you, there's a lot of characters. We're, we're learning them as we go. But uh, his mum's on the plane, and she's basically talking to this young woman. She's like, hey, you know, my son's not, you know, met a nice woman yet, blah, blah, blah. And she's kind of like, you got, she's got that look in her eye. And then Cobra shows up on the, the screen and basically says, yeah, I'm going to crash your plane. And <laughs> this is basically it. And. Can I just, I want to compliment the writing here because th- this little note at the bottom of this page that leads into the two-page spread in the next page, uh, no, this can't be happening, Terry Rostin thinks. And then you see the plane exploding in the next page and it just has a little caption that says, my son is a superhero. That, like, this is a character who is introduced in one page and is killed off in the very next and somehow it has impact. <laughs> Oh, it absolutely does. And I think uh, I want to really highlight the name of this arc here is called Split. And I think the the use... Uh, yeah, there are reasons for that. We'll, you know, we'll get into that. You know, it splits the team later. We'll, we'll get to that. But the page that it reveals that is a split page double spread with the top half being this plane mm. explosion and then the second half being, you know, uh, being, you know the, the JSA kind of round tabling around this with bones yeah and bones um, is... but just the, the the double split there being you know the, the way that they worked the the title arc into the page layout here i think is uh really great art stuff yeah and on top of that of course the reason why it's called split is because the team have to split into two because there's two threats at the same time one being cobra 
and the fact that Cobra is saying that if you don't, you know, give me was it he's wanting all the money, I think. Uh, he wants something or other. It, I, I don't know. He because if not, he's gonna take out all the the, the world leaders. Yeah, he's gonna take out all the like cities, base all the capital cities. Yeah. Uh, so pretty major stuff. And the team, and you know, like when we see Al at the table, because I, you know, I was reading this, and I was like, oh, I can't remember. Does he already know? Did he find out here? But he already knows. You just see Canary kind of like holding them, like she can't even fit her arm around them, but he's just kind of like distraught. Uh, it's good stuff. And then out of nowhere, the old Star Spangled Kid shows up. <laughs> it's yeah, like, wait a so Pemberton just walks in and be like, "What are you all doing? This is my team, you yeah. bunch of chumps." And they basically get very accusatory of each other and like not what's going on. And then it's our man who basically kind of realizes that something's not a right with the timelines. And the extant is now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I couldn't remember. Have we encountered extant before in GSA yet? Uh, not in this book. Not no. in this book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go. I couldn't remember if it popped up yet. Uh, so I've not read. Uh, the big event that kind of did the extant thing that you know that brought you know hawk and turned them yeah. into extant I, i've not read that was was that zero hour no it wasn't zero hour, was it was it i don't know my my first thought was zero hour as well but i don't think it is i think either. It, no, I, did, I, I did the same thing i think it may be zero hour i mean people can tell us in the comments i think it's zero hour though but anyway so the extant is messing with the timeline and this is why we have this weird splinter here where this other star spinal kid shows up and this like oh you know like okay we have to deal with this now we can't just let him run around rampant and they even yeah. mention all the people that he killed as well like you know because he, he killed the, the the original midnight he killed uh our man he killed uh the the hawks like you know he's he, he yeah, the, the, that's the the level of threat that this is and and it was zero hour yeah, yeah. um and oh, cool. it, it's more just like no this is this is a villain who was enough for a you know line-wide event this is not some chump change thing and to just throw that in as Oh, by the way, here's a second plot to deal with. Is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So Sans, like, okay, we have to split in two. Obviously, our man with the other ship has to go after Extant because no one else can do it. Ta- time ship. So a time ship, yeah. Uh, and so it's like, okay. So I'll the team to to go and deal with uh, go deal with Cobra, who's on. Yeah. What island's he on again? I forget. Uh, Blackhawk. Blackhawk Island. There you go. Yeah, I knew it was yeah, an old one. A... I knew I knew it was one that we knew. I just couldn't remember which one it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're like, uh, okay, well, let's call in the reserves because we we might need some more bodies on this one. Yeah, so Hippolyta comes in, Starman comes in, uh, Doctor Midnight comes in, the new Doctor Midnight. Uh, so we see a little bit on the on the time ship with uh, a Star Girl. Well, she's not called that yet, obviously, still. But she's talking to Star Spinal Kid, and he's like, hey, like you know, I can teach you how to use that belt if you want. And she's like, yeah, that'd be great. So, but that's basically, we see them go off into a vortex, basically, and we just see Extant sort of sneaking up behind them, and that's basically it. We don't get any more of this plot, this issue. Obviously, yeah, they're, they're the next issue, I assume. Yeah, we're, we're saving that for next issue. We, we stick with the other team. Uh, who are in a jet, Starman's there, and they're they're sneaking into this old uh, base within Blackhawk Island, and they've all got their mouth breathers on, they go inside, and they kind of sneak around and the sand's going through the floors that was smashing uh that sounds redundant to say but yeah that's, he, that's what he does best he's angry he's upset one, one of the, the little subtle things here i really like is that when you see canary and midnight fighting uh they're fighting kind of side by side if you remember right you know we met midnight through canary canary was in trouble and he saved her so they've already worked as a team before in his introduction and at the end of the page she says nice work midnight um, and he like cracks a little joke <laughs> about uh, you know crack no jokes about uh, just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, 
So but they're, they're making quite the quite the team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of hinting that there's a pairing here of sorts, you know, just subtly. Yeah, it's not over. It's more just oh, they they've got a, a bit of a connection. Yeah, they're building up some camaraderie, and you know, so uh, I, I did appreciate the joke here because uh, we get an introduction to another yes, character. Star- Starman's blasting around with the, with the staff. Yes, and we get a sphere, which of course leads to Mister Terrific, who, if you remember, was. Uh, Given the choice of joining the GSA, uh, Sand did extend them that offer. At the very least, he said, come visit sometime. So they did t- set this up. This was way back in the, the Sand issue, uh, where he was like getting a, a deal in his powers. But uh, Terrific's there. He's mapped out the area, and he's there to help. So, uh, But there's a phantasm joke. Uh, st- I, I knew that was what you were going to Oh, yeah, about. it's great. I love it. Uh, Starman cracks a joke about phantasm. If you've seen phantasm, you'll know that there's uh, flying chrome balls in that that kill people. They're glorious. <laughs> yeah, Starman's a little uh, terrified of them. Yes, he's, he doesn't like it very much. So, and you know, like, and obviously, I'm thinking, should should they have brought Al along for this mission? Because he's killed. He's like, yeah, if we get to that, you know, if we get to Cobra, you save him for me. Like, he's very upset. It's it's very personal for him. Yeah. So, uh, San goes into this control room where he takes out all the dudes, uh, walks through the wall using his powers, and that's kind of it but of course as he's in there because he's there to uh save uh because they've got this oh who was it again i've, I've sort of glossed over uh, the name uh airwave airwave thank you uh airwave they're they're using him essentially to do what they're doing with all electronics that's why they can control the plane that's why they could broadcast their their video signal worldwide uh they're using his powers to do this uh airwave is, is i mean he's basically just like a dls villain that's been held captive here uh I don't think we are alone and probably never having heard of him before this issue. No, they just use him because he's expendable. Yeah. But, of course, there's a great panel in here where uh, sneaking up behind Sand uh, is... Oh, God, what was his name? Catalyst. Yes. So, one of Aria's former teammates, yeah. So, again, another... I mean, it's, it's notable that these, these characters are throwing in here, which I'm sure are from history that I'm sure Johns is pulling from obscure places, uh, are are relatively new to us, because even though I've read this before, like, every single one I'm having to double-check, oh, who's this guy called again? <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I've, I've read this, I mean, this is probably my third or fourth time on this specific batch of issues. Yeah. And I, I can still struggle with some of these smaller names. Yeah, uh, Catalyst does t- generally... But he's able to shock him. And we get this big ending where basically Cobra wants to show the world the, the consequences for them trying to save the day and interfere with Cobra's plans. And he broadcasts to the world, we see it broadcast in Times Square, him murdering with a laser beam sand. That's the end of the issue. He, he blasts it. We don't see it's off panel, the actual contact, but and then he just laughs maniacally and that is the end of the issue. It's a hell of an ending. Like As far as the ends of issues go, this is a pretty good one. I uh, I love that final panel of the laughing. It's very um, Joker esque in the style of lettering. The way mm-hmm. the laughs just come up in the red text behind him. It's not constrained to any sort of bubble or, or text box or anything. It's just the entire panel, and he's just in the way of some of it. Yeah, why? Why dig about this? Is that I think Sand this early on in the run, like obviously they've set him up to be the leader, but. Part of you does suspect, like, 
did they build them up this much so that they could do this big dramatic death and like have it have it stick like you know did they, like are they pulling a a doyle shall shall i say mm-hmm. <laughs> but but you know doing this and i mean I, I guess i'm mildly spoiling things by suggesting that you know he's probably not gone for good but the ending of this is really effective i, I think it's really shocking really dramatic and the, the sort of the public display of it and it, it makes it feel like oh wait how are they going to deal with this now that they've like like cobra's completely went up them and that's another half of the team are fighting this villain that took the entire you know dc universe to tackle so uh mm-hmm. this feels like it escalates really it starts with a bang and it ends with a bang now admittedly i do think the opening is more effective somehow i don't know how that happened but the the start and end of this are exceptional yeah that first page and the first panel of the second page i guess is uh possibly some of the best work in this entire series so far yeah no it's just it's that page turn it's that it's that connective tissue between page one and page two yeah uh, is wonderful and then this ending here is just it goes in a direction where if you at the start of this issue you would never have called it, it would end with the villain assassinating on live tv one of our main heroes to prove that they shouldn't have interfered uh it because i think it it's not so much that he needed to feel more villainous because the opening is so dark and makes him feel like he's just a vile prick from the get-go. But this ending says that not only is he that awful, not only is he this dangerous in what he does, he's this much of a threat to our main characters. They can't just walk in and save the day. Yeah, that's it. It's 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 all well and good. Oh, he can take down an undefended plane, right? Any any villain can do that. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen that countless times with him just taking down a building or a plane or whatever and it's it's not that impressive in its own right this this issue made it impressive by giving us a character we cared about on the plane first um but showing he can actually take out one of our heroes as easy as relatively easily as he does is what shows that he's actually a really big threat and going into the next issues uh you know it gives it some real weight uh beyond how are they the rest of this or not even the rest of the team how are half of the team gonna stop it yeah uh it makes it feel it makes the stakes suddenly feel super high in a way that a lot of comic books can't achieve after several issues the fact that in one issue it makes that this this plot feels super weighty and it's only half of the plot technically (laughs) because there's two going on at the same time yeah so no, it's a pretty big deal. It's, if anything, like, I think the last couple of issues have been fantastic, but maybe this is the arc where GSA by Johns really becomes GSA by Johns and why everyone talks about it so fondly is just how yeah. ex- expertly this is pulled off. I agree. And I think it's funny. It's it's funny how much longer um, Goya is a co-writer. Like it's, it's a lot longer than you think. Oh, sure, yeah. It's like fifty, like Goya's a co-writer till like the fifties or something like that. Uh, as much as this is, you know, even the the DC trades market as this is this is JSA by Jeff Johns. Like everyone knows, but Goya has this credit for like you know fifty odd issues still, and uh, it's just way more than you think because it just feels so timeless, classic Johns. Yeah. All right, then what are you giving it? Uh, I will give it a. I give it a nine, honestly. I was tempted to give it the eight point five, but I think, I think it earns just a, a little bit more than that. I don't know. I, I feel like my debate is more: is it a nine or a nine point five? <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh come on! The start and end of this are exceptional. No, no, they are phenomenal. Um, 
I think sometimes that I am there. I think I'm being generous, going up to the nine, and then you're you're, you're making me look bad. I well, I feel like the only reason why this isn't a ten because the way I talk about the opening, especially, is that's that's the sort of couple of pages I expect in a ten out of ten comic. Uh, and the oh, yeah. only, and the only reason why it's not in consideration for the ten is because yeah, the middle of it sort of becomes more just sort of set uppy. Uh, than the, it's not a bad set up. It's good set up, but it's not as exceptional as that first couple of pages is. I agree. I think ultimately there's a little too much of that for me to even go to the 9.5 um it's it's more like okay the the stuff with the other half of the team there's like three or four pages there which are perfectly good necessary setup for whatever they're going to do in the next issue but in this issue itself they're like yeah okay those those pages were fine and it's that section which probably drags it down from being you know higher even though i would give it a nine i'll give it a nine as well but let it be known i considered I consider it going high. <laughs> All right. Shazam! The New Beginning, issue one. Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas uh, writing with Tom Mandrake on the art. This is a four-part series. This is essentially a mini-series that to re-establish the post-crisis origin of Billy Batson as Captain Marvel. And so it's kind of interesting doing this because obviously we started with Batman from post-crisis and obviously year one wasn't the very first thing that came out but it was you know, pretty early on and we're just we just finished that in this episode it's interesting to sort of tackle this which came around a similar time uh, re-establishing this origin yeah. and it's kind of funny as well because we've had not that long ago the johns re-establishing the shazam origin in in the yeah. you know, the, the current continuity i mean it was part of the new 52 stuff the, the the justice league backups but, at the time but but what's funny about it is that that's the version that i think we're more familiar with so it's actually kind of interesting just for us to go back and say okay what was this post-crisis like what yeah there's some beats in it like uh savannah being being his uncle yeah I, I, yeah i didn't know that at all and him wanting to adopt billy again so like i, I was getting some series of unfortunate events vibes from some of this oh I, yeah i was too and i was wondering if that was just me but i could I could see Neil Patrick Harris playing Savannah. <laughs> I, is that so bad? <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Uh, I don't know if this came out before those books were written. They might have been. I don't know. Oh, oh they definitely did. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, those those books were like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, I thought that, but I, I I wasn't sure. It's one of those things where they could be from the seventies for all I got damn no. No, uh, I was reading those as they came out, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, so we start with the the stormy night with the car crash that kills Billy's parents. Uh, I actually really liked the art in this first couple of pages. I, I thought the uh, the atmosphere was was really strong. It was. I, I think I like everything except the panel where the car actually crashes. I think going into the purple background over over overdoes it a little bit. It takes away a little bit of the weight that every other panel has. Hmm. There's something about uh, fire in the eighties and nineties comics I really like. The wreckage in the the following page. Mm. I really like the the way the fire. It's looks. gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, I'm into it. Um, I mean, the art is is generally pretty good. There's the odd face that doesn't work for me uh, all that much, but it's very much of its time. But at the same time, though, I think Savannah's face almost always looks fantastic. Like he always looks just perfectly sinister, evil. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's you look at this and you go, yeah, I can see why you cast Mark Strong. <laughs> so he uh yeah so we see billy with his his uncle that he likes the uncle who's the, the magician who's poor and has no money and we get this scene where his uncle has to tell him like what's happened because he gets the phone call like telling yeah, him the uncle's already looking after him for the evening the, the parents are presumably out 
for the evening, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. They, 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 they were going to the to the theatre. Who knows? Yeah, didn't they? Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's this heartbreaking kind of scene. And we, then we see him in the rain. And that first panel of Savannah, when he comes up to talk to him, is just... The, the way his head's so shrunken. Like, I, I mean, that's the one complaint I'd say about casting Mark, Mark Strong to play him. Is Mark Strong's got such a big, strong jawline. and He does. Like, and Savannah in comics, he's, he's so squirmy. He's... The the best comparison in live action would maybe be the the character from Sin City, the 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 yellow yeah. bastard maybe was that yeah him? I can see it. Uh, it's only it's only a live action sort of example I can think of that's got a kind of face that I would you know associate with this. But he, so Savannah clearly has future plans in mind uh, for for the boy. So we get a whole courtroom scene where they're the arguing custody of of the child because Savannah married into the family and. He's more financially stable. Uh, but there's a whole ruse where Savannah has these two people. I mean, I, I, I think that technically, like, he is their guardian, but they're, like, they've already left the house. They're, you know, they're, they're lying about living they're, with they're them. They're living in the dorm, which, yeah. but the way he talks about it, it seems like it's still, like, on campus of the house. Like, it's like a separate mm. building, not like, I'll go back home to your dorm somewhere uh, else. It g- still feels like they're relatively close. If we're still going with unfortunate events, this is the little troop pretending to be his kids. Yeah. Uh, Man, the, 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 if, if this was not inspired, you know, if this didn't have some inspiration <laughs> on unfortunate events, I would be surprised. Yeah. So Billy is thinking that he's ruining his uncle's life because his uncle, they're going to give it to, to the poor uncle because they, they, he has a relationship with Billy. Billy seems to like him. They get on well. But when Billy hears, after a little bit of coercion from the, the those others talking to him, he hears that his his uncle will have to give up being a magician, and he's like, "I can't ruin his life. I can't do that." So Billy actually says he wants to go with Savannah, and he, he gets kind of mean about it to sort of convince the, the you know the good uncle to to walk away, and it's kind of heartbreaking actually. You feel bad for it's, him. <laughs> it's that classic, you know, throwing the stones at the dog to make it run away for its own safety. Yeah, uh, so. But when they get back to the house, he's basically got a storage room. Uh, we overhear later that it was just to get the inheritance money for his cookie multiverse schemes because Savannah's trying to break into other worlds. He's got he's got some shenanigans on the go. Yeah, he's got a secret room where he's doing his experiments. And yeah, he treats him like shit. He, he is, he's Count Olaf. Essentially. <laughs> he really is. Uh, Billy, you know, gets into fights. He's at a new school. He doesn't like it. It's all these things. But once he hears this from Savannah, uh, he goes on the run. He he runs out the house and he runs through the rain and he gets to the subway station. So the idea of the subway being a factor in how he gets his powers is still here. It's still an element. It's one of the most familiar beats in this book. Yeah. And he's led into the subway by this mysterious figure behind there. And he sees the the, the seven deadly sin statues up in the... So he, he's essentially been transported to the Rock of Eternity without realising that he's he's moved anywhere. And Shazam shows up and is like, blah, 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 blah. Like, I am Shazam. And... Say my name. Yeah, he's, he gets right to it. He's like, say my name. So we get this big full page where he says Shazam and he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> what? I feel like I'm blown but, up like a balloon. What's going on? <laughs> interestingly, something went wrong. Because he talks about it. He's still... He's like, I'm still Billy Batson. He's he's got you know his own mind. He's just got the the body and powers of Shazam, and the, you know the wizard's confused. He's like, no no no, you you should be Captain Marvel. You shouldn't be yourself still in that body. I'll and, and he remembers the the previous timeline. 
Oh, Shazam does, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I, I think it's maybe an interesting facet that, uh, that this is a mistake and one that I suspect that this four-issue mini will, will do something with. Like, you know, maybe why it, it, this, it didn't work on Billy exactly, why he still does remember who he is for some it's, reason. What's interesting to me is, for us, I think that's the only the only version of Shazam Captain Marvel we're, we're familiar with, right? That, that, that this is Billy just in an adult body. Uh, and this presents the idea, was this not always the case, like pre, well, pre-crisis? pre Well, I don't know uh, if that's the case. I mean, just because it's a mistake that now in this continuity doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't this way before, it just wasn't a mistake before. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. This presented this idea that I'm, I'm thinking, oh, was that not the case before? And I don't actually know if that's true or not. I, I, I don't know what expectation it's playing off. Yeah, but this, this could equally just the change could equally just be the idea that it's a mistake, not the fact that he does re- still, you know, be belly inside his yeah, head. Absolutely, it I, could be. I have no idea. Uh, but now you're right. Uh, the wizard does talk about the fact that. He remembers the previous time. Like he he talks about pre crisis about how there was a Shazam family or a, you know a Marvel family. There was there was Freddy and there was Mary. And we see that this one classic panel. But he's like, no, I can't think about that. To to, to remember this this past timeline would lead to madness. So mm. he's like, okay, I just have to do this again. And he kind of you know I, I I actually I love when he grumbled a little bit because when Billy's like talking back to him, he's like, you know, maybe I should have started with a girl this time. <laughs> maybe I should have went a different route. I I, I think it's it's almost a little. Strange that you know this was this was presented as an option in in the late eighties. You know, just throw away line here. I'm a little surprised that that come like you know the new fifty two Shazam reboot that that maybe we didn't start with Mary instead. Almost. Yeah, we totally we totally could have. There was no reason why you couldn't have started with Mary and had Billy maybe like become, you know, just basically swap roles essentially. Yeah, uh, it's works, possible. Works perfectly fine. Uh, but you know, the wizard explains to Captain Marvel because that's what he is. He's Captain Marvel. That's what they call him. Uh, and yeah. this and it explains that hey you, you're here to defeat Black Adam you know the 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 one like person I gave my powers to that it, it, it didn't go so well <laughs> it yeah. didn't go so hot and he he you know was evil he became corrupted by the power and you have to sort of take him on uh, almost as if the wizard knows that Black Adam's about to be brought back to the world because that's obviously how we end this issue with Savannah but uh yeah, there's this running thing because uh, Joe, I liked about this is that he says Shazam again. He ends up back outside at the the, the sort of the, the metal gate of the subway station, and I thought they were going to do a thing where he d- didn't understand how he could become Captain Marvel again, but I love that he immediately said Shazam by accident, and it immediately happened. Yeah, because he's just he's yelling at the wizard like, "Do you hear me, Shazam?" Because obviously that's his name. Yeah, and switches back, and I, I love that you know there's this beat that he doesn't realize that he switches at first. There's not like a conscious awareness that he's different. It's just he realizes the, the the surroundings that he's you know he's beaten this door into a pulp and he's like ah shit yeah and he ends up flying and he's like oh shit I can fly and it kind of like almost brings in the you know the the strength of this the 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 wisdom of that it, it, it does that stuff sort of gradually as he's like discovering new things and kind of like talks because I feel like there's a trap of almost like and you know some good versions have done this where the wizard will just like list these things it'll just list all the you know all the things that the the, the, the I, uh, words I really like they're on like a like a stone tablet behind the wizard's head yeah of of like you know wisdom of solomon you know it's uh, speed of mercury mercury yeah mercury speed. yeah but they're, they're all kind of there so 
you know, it's there in the art. You can just read them. It's fine. Don't need exposition from the wizard. Yeah. And then, so he turns back into Billy to, to leave. But it just sort of, you know, it leaves there where he's, he's not really sure what he should do now. Um, he walks off into the storm, all, all dramatic. And the last page is that Savannah, tinkering with his scientific doohickeys, does finally break some sort of multiverse door and out comes Black Adam, uh, who says he made it. He's back yes. after 5,000 years. And it's hard not to hear Rita Repulsa in my head when I read that line. Finally, after 10,000 years, I'm free! Yeah, no, I got, I got that as well. Uh, it, it, not its fault, but oh, yeah, definitely came, definitely this, was thinking about it. This came first, so it's, you know, it's not... But, I mean, it, it's the same thing you know, we, we mentioned, that we mentioned in Unfortunate Events. This this came before any of these things. Yes, it did. So. But, uh, you know... Uh, it's the same thing we, we talk about whenever we you know review like older movies that have for our standards predictable twists because we've seen them aped on thousands of times since not necessarily that movie's fault and uh, it's it's the same here i uh i thought this issue was pretty solid we've not really spoken about what, what we think of it yet all that much beyond just talking about the the moments themselves yeah i, I actually uh, i agree i think um it's it's obviously a little denser than a lot of other comics that that we're used to right now. Yeah, uh, it's a couple by page, its nature. It's a couple pages more. It's twenty four pages instead of twenty two. Yeah, yeah. Um, not a huge difference, and it doesn't feel extremely long. Um, no. I think the pacing's pretty good throughout. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, we read so many different versions of Superman, so many different versions of Batman and Wonder Woman, even Flash and Green Lantern. There's something really nice about just getting a dedicated. We're going to focus like, and it, it does make you kind of sad that there's not maybe longer ongoings for some of these other characters who who do tend to get ignored a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. Not that there's none, but it it was really nice to sort of say, "Hey, I'm reading a Captain Marvel issue one. This is kind of cool. I'm I'm happy to be reading a story, even if it's just another origin story about a, a character who doesn't get as much love typically." I think I appreciated how different the origin story was to what i expected even though the, the okay there were all the f- familiar beats right mm. with okay we we've got the wizard we got to save the name we got oh the seven deadly sins we got black adam all those things are in there the subway but all the the context around billy feels for us i think fresh even though you know this this is how it was for years decades but given where we've come into comics and and our experience with with shazam and captain marvel here uh, it, this feels like a kind of fresh to us. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting as well that it does include both Savannah and Black Adam. It, it, you know, much like Johnsy's origin. And yeah, to... I think there's a lot of temptation to just lean into one or the other with with modern origins now. Uh, in in, in it, that goes for any hero origin. It's it's really tempting just to lean into one thing and focus. Uh, whereas this, you know, it comfortably juggles those two so far, at least. Well, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but uh, this doesn't have me worried at all. No, no, not at all. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting as well that much like Year One, the Batman Year One, that is, it's another four issue story. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, and I, you know, I expect expect this was probably a testing grounds as well. Like, can we have an ongoing? Uh, does it sell well enough? Unlike Batman, where obviously Batman sells well for the ongoing. Yeah, yeah, so they could just throw it in the middle of its yeah. main book, whereas with this, you, you want to test that. Yeah, so, you know, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Uh, but no, I had fun with it. I, I think I enjoyed the 
the the kid in a horrible situation with the horrible new step parent kind of situation you know that, that whole vibe was working for me uh, and not just because i was imagining savannah going run away run away <laughs> oh, i would love to watch a take on this origin <laughs> just done in that style uh but yeah the, but uh, the actual wizard stuff was fun and i i enjoyed the art for the most part like i say the, the odd face especially on young billy i thought was maybe the, the worst of it but uh savannah looked creepy i think Ad- black adam looks pretty good i had all that stuff and captain marvel as well you know when captain marvel becomes captain marvel yeah and there's good. only one panel that i feel the face looks a bit funny on on captain marvel and it's right at the end not the very last page but the one before and it's where yeah. he's got the big vertical panel on the right where he's kind of in shadow it looks a bit off there as opposed to where he looks in every other panel yeah that's fair that's fair all right well i'm looking forward to reading more of this much better than emperor joker already i'll tell you that much uh yeah. what, are you, what are you giving it uh, i'm gonna give it a solid seven um it's tempting to give it the 7.5 but i'm just gonna just shy away from that i think huh yeah it's almost a bit of a running gag now that i just rate things higher than you but i, I feel you say that last episode you rated pretty much everything the same as me that's true oh, that's true actually yeah, I know. I'll go a little bit higher. I think I'll give it the eight. I, I, I had a good, good time reading this. I, I really had fun discovering. Uh, the, I, I, I love going back to eras like this and kind of like digging into, like, you know, comics that I haven't read yet and discovering stuff. It's, it's the sort of thing that I like doing with movies as well. And, and I started doing that with movies a lot earlier on than I did with comic books. So there's still a lot of this still to discover for me with comics. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I like it. So I think there's um. There's less of a, a desire or a need to do this with comics because, I mean, there's a, there's a more modern Shazam origin that we can just go with, right? And we can just read that. It's fine. We don't need to read this. Yep. Whereas with a lot of movies, they didn't necessarily remake, you know, sometimes they did just remake them, but they didn't always just remake them. Sometimes if you want to experience that story, you have to just go and watch that movie. Yeah, there's a lot less desire to, but I desire to do it, which is why I made a show called Previously in the Multiverse. <laughs> I'm here. I'm not saying I don't have the desire to read these. I just meant d- desire was maybe not the righteous, but more necessity. There's 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 a lack of necessity to read these because we we've got a an origin that works perfectly fine. Exactly. So I made one. I made a necessity. You you made an excuse. Yeah, you did. Yes. All right. And somehow roped me into it. Bad girl issue eight. Brian Q. Miller writing with a guest writer or guest artist, I should say. Uh, Talent Caldwell, Vel Gesher, and John Stanichi. So this, uh, I'll just say it, first of all, the art is a step down from the normal. <laughs> Significantly. I think, yeah. Okay, first thing, this isn't all over the place in terms of art. The Talent Caldwell is the main artist for the vast majority of the book. Mm. Uh, those other two are guest artists just for the end sequence. I think it's just the final two pages with the Red Robin stuff. I suspect they were on the Robin book. Yeah, probably. Um, so here's the thing. The very first page, I saw Stephanie's face and went, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> I, went, oh, I did the exact no. same. Now, I will say the colours still look pretty good. The colours, I don't know if the colours is the same, but it, it, it feels in tone with the, 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 the previous issues. Unfortunately, the faces are not particularly great. Uh, so this issue does kind of have a bit of a, a, a lead-off into other stuff that's not going to be fulfilled in this book. 
Uh, interesting little tidbit here. I've never read this issue before because this issue wasn't in the original trades for this run. Was it, was it not? No, they left this out. And, and because of that, I always assumed it was more of a direct crossover with Red Robin, so you had to read the Red Robin for it to make sense. And for the most part, you, you actually don't. It works on its own until the ending. It, this is this is the setup that goes yeah. into Red Robin stuff afterwards. Yeah. So the ending sort of leads sets something up that's never paid off in this, but otherwise it's actually quite easy to read and there's a lot of good Steph stuff in it. So I think the, the issue is good for her character stuff and for the scenarios we're given. Just the art kind of sucks. <laughs> it, it, I'm going to tell you now, it, it drags you down a good you know, point or two. Yeah, it's, the faces are not good. Uh, the big puffy lips are really distracting uh, on, on Steph. Di- dialogue is really on point, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Brian Q. Miller writing, so the, the dialogue is great. I, I love her making fun of him because she's, she's training in the cave and he shows up as Red Robin because this is, of course, in the timeline, this is where he's Red Robin. And she's like, why do you look at Dr. Midnight? Which is especially funny to me given that I just read a GSA but issue. She's not wrong. Yeah, and it, it's, it does. It's funny. <laughs> do you know what? This feels like the Red Robin stuff happened recently and this was him poking fun at that costume change. Uh, eerily prescient because it feels like what just happened with Tim Drake yet again <laughs> with the, the Drake costume. And I, I don't think I read it, but I think you did, but someone in another issue made a joke about the costume. Yeah. I mean, the dialogue is, in the, the, I mean, obviously the, uh, the the narration, like it has been, is, is wonderful. Like There's a moment where Tim says, I really need you to not be useless right now. And in her narration, she says, Mm-mm, child and then Tim's like oh, okay that sounded way harsher than it should have done and she's like no you don't get to dial that back <laughs> you don't get to like, take that tone with me like the the back and forth is so good and I, I don't think I, I expected it to be this hostile between them where it, there's one point uh, later in the issue where she's just in her narration going I hate him I hate him I hate him <laughs> yeah this is this is the broody Tim era yes uh, you know, post Bruce's death where he's not in a great place um not not Tim's finest moment. Yeah, I also expect that this this stuff that Red Robin's doing is building up to the resurrection of Razal Ghul, or is just after it. I think just before, but just I could before, be wrong. Yeah. Uh, yes, oh, it must be after it because he mentions Raz is about, so I think it's after it. But it feels like it's related to that stuff because he's talking about Raz. That's I why think that he's was here. his crusades that he was on, yeah. right? So uh, Babs is on a date with the the dude that uh, the cop that Jim tried to set up, up with and. They're kind of heading off where he's kind of like playing ball for ball here where when she's kind of asking questions like, why would you come to Gotham when you can do this? And he's like, well, why would you t- teach in Gotham when you can do this? And he's like, oh, okay, they're actually kind of equals here in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, and she kind of apologizes that, it, you know, last time it, it wasn't his fault. It, it was, she, she wasn't in the right place and he was right when he called her out on that and she just reacted badly. Uh, yeah. you know, no bad blood over it. Yeah, do you know what the sad part is? is It's not amazing, but the men are much better looking in this than the women. I, I think this artist has a real hard time with... I mean, it's very small increments better. Do you know what I think it is? I think his tactic seems to be to give the women big puffy lips and give the men no lips. And I think the no lips works in his favour. It's it's less distracting. Yes. I, think you, I think you're right. It, it works in his favour. Uh, but again, they're, they're bickering as they're looking into why the the satellites are down, why there's no communications, all the rest of it. Uh, but like I say, the banner between them is just really good. It's really strong throughout. Uh, yeah, that bit where she says, like, yeah, pwned, and he's like, 
I don't think that's how you say it. And I like how the the text does spell it with the P. Yeah. I actually all really, really like... Uh, there's a one point where she... So there's a fun little bit where she actually sends Babs a message in the uh, the ricochet, the bike thing she's got, uh, because mm-hmm. she, sets, she puts the autopilot on back to the cave so Babs can read it and you know know what she's doing. Uh, but so they have to infiltrate this 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 party thing uh, because the assassins are going after Leslie Tompkins and Lucius Fox is there as well, and they have to like go in sort of as civilians. So Tim goes and steals them some outfits, and she's in this. Of course, it's a purple dress. We're in Power Rangers rules here. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, to be fair, I think Tim did that intentionally. I think this is you know benefit of the doubt here. This isn't just them dressing their colours. This is Tim. It wasn't a having complaint. a bit of fun. I wasn't complaining okay. about it. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, well, I, I just meant in context, I think there's a good reason for it. No, I mean, they are with the boobs here, I might complain a bit about. Yes, yes. Got, got a bit over the top with that there. Um, especially, it's especially noticeable when they make her so goddamn skinny. Yeah, and she's so in the foreground and Tim's just there in the background with everyone and it feels uncomfortable. Yeah it does it does indeed but there's a great moment I, I i don't know what page it's on yet but there's a moment where steph basically says one of the things that should be in a narration box it's in quotations but it sounds like the sort of thing she would have in the narrations box and and tim says you realize you're not using your inside voice right now and i thought it was really witty and smart because it's it did sound like something that would be in her box rather than in the speech bubble it does and it's things like that where you go oh this is this is why Tim and Steph had a relationship, right? That banter, when they're not angry at each other. Those moments. Like, oh, okay, I see it. And the other thing is, is one of the things that I've hated about Steph in Rebirth onwards, when they've, they've brought her back to, at least to a point more prominent place, is that she's been so tied to Tim. It's always been she's Tim's girlfriend or she's Tim's whatever, right? And it's really frustrating to me. And I think it's notable that in this issue here, first of all, it helps that she's got her own ongoing series where Tim only factors into it for one issue, really. But is that here, because they've already split up and because it, there's kind of this mutual thing where they have this history that it's coming up, they have feelings for each other, it's, it's affecting how they speak to each other and how they think in the moment. But at no point is it just, well, she's only defined by what she is to Tim. Uh, and like and, you know and vice versa whereas you know in the new books it's like them always talking about their future it's them always talking about this or that this was far more entertaining to read it was far more exciting to read because it was it was playing off their history and how it affects the fact that they've both moved on into other things which i guess is the problem with comics a lot of the times is that it refuses to let things move on and the great thing about this era of the bat family and you know this this 2009 to 2011 is that things got to move on because they killed off Bruce and they let all the characters kind of get to new places. And Steph's... It, it, it ran wild a little bit. Yeah, and Steph obviously only became Batgirl because of all that. And it's kind of great that, you know, it's one of the big casualties of that going away is that we lost Steph as I, Batgirl. I loved some of this period. The uh, the the Heart of Hush stuff, well, the Heart of Hush. Heart of Hush was before R.I.P., but you're talking about when Hush went on in Streets of Gotham and all those other things. Streets of Gotham, yeah. I, I always mix up the two titles of which is which, but yeah, that that whole section of just stuff going on. This is where you've got Riddler being a P.I. Uh, you've got the, um, the Gotham City Sirens stuff going on. Gotham in this period flourished, like, like, like it oh, hasn't in decades. No, it was wonderful. And I mean... 
there's arguably individual books that have been fantastic since, but I don't think the lane as a whole. No, like we just pulled out yeah. three completely different points. You know, in between between the hush stuff, the Batgirl stuff, the 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 siren stuff. And, but, you know, even aside from the main book, that's three various facets of Gotham being fascinating. Whether you, whether you like all of them or not is is debatable, but doing different stuff. And then you had Snyder's Detective as well. I, I think. Oh, of course, yeah. I'm usually the main Batman book was probably the weakest element of all the yeah, yeah, Batman it was. Uh, But but then you know, look at it now. Sure, there there are arguably books that are individually as good, if not better, quality than an individual story in this era. But. Gotham as a whole is less interesting. Right now, there probably isn't, though. I mean, Tynan's Batman's probably the only thing that comes close because Detective we dropped, Batgirl we dropped. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> when I say right now, I mean yeah. in the Rebirth era, really. Sure, I sure, mean, okay. th- there's an argument for like, okay, you're reading the first half of King's Run and, you know, that's up there. Sure, right? sure, sure. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, Supergirl destroyed the satellite. Or whatever Raz was using, uh, they call Supergirl and you no know, Batgirl says thanks. Uh, it's a whole thing, and yeah. So, and they have this moment on the roof where like they almost kiss when they're having like a tender moment, and like Steph stops and says, "No, uh, we can't let our guard down. Like you know, this isn't what we want. This isn't good for us." And it leaves the relationship in the past, and then it has this tease of this uh, uh, Prue. From presumably from Red Robin's book because <laughs> I have no idea who she is. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting that I'm on DC Universe reading these and yeah. it gives me the original solicit text underneath. Ah, and it actually you know outright says collision part two continued from Red Robin nine and ends in continued Red Robin ten. And I don't think you need to read Red Robin nine before. Honestly, you're fine. The only thing in this issue that feels like oh shit I'm missing something or it feels like this should connect to something else is this last page. That is the only thing. And I think it's very notable that those are the guest artists, even mm. more so. on you know the, the extra artists are on those last, I think it's two pages, I think they're in, um, that the, the, they show up. And it's very clearly, this is the Red Robin bit. Yeah. I'll have to say, I don't really like the art in the last two pages either, if I'm honest. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, I think it's slightly better, but I mean... I don't know. Tim's head, I, see, see that panel where Steph's like stopped his hand and it's like they're splitting two? His head in that top part, I think, looks really weird angle-wise. That's fair. I think the faces are a lot more consistent, even across these two pages. They're they're a lot better. They're consistent panel to panel, which I think is more important than some of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, this was fun for me because I never read this issue before. (laughs) I did not realize this wasn't in the original trades because I've only ever read this like this. Uh, with the thick trades, I I, I read it in single issues, single uh, issues. originally. Yeah. No, I, I had the three back in the physical days when I had physical books. I had the three trades, uh, the three volumes. Obviously now they're the two thicker trades, which is what I've got the digital versions of now. Uh, so it was nice to be able to read this and kind of like fill in that one little gap that was there, uh, and and the run. But I mean, honestly, story wise, really solid. All the character stuff between Tim and Steph was really good. Uh, so I think my worries of just being tied to their relationship was a little bit, you know, unfounded once I actually read it. Yeah, yeah, and I would say please don't judge Tim too harshly on this issue. He was he was going through a rough period. He's still the best Robin. Yeah, sure. So we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff. Don't you worry. Yeah, sure. Uh, 
so no but the art of course is definitely the weakest by far this book has had uh, oh, yeah. it's not even a question it does definitely feel like a fill-in artist uh pro- probably to give you know garbage then a shoe off so you can come back strong I, I hope we're back to garbage next time i'm actually going to quickly check because i, I can tell you it is, it's garbage next time we're, I, we're good uh we're into the good covers next issue as well we've got yeah we've got like uh, a handful of sejic covers now is this sejic it looks like it could be i thought it was art germ oh it could be art germ i'm looking at like a tiny thumbnail okay uh but uh, i've not you actually good covers like the, the cover for issue two of this series that's the the orange ba- uh the orange background with uh with her pulling up the 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 boot the oh, yeah, oh boot no it's had good covers but phenomenal. i just nominal when i think of this series though the covers i think of are this next batch it's her in the rain I, I think it's notable that those are the covers they use for the the big trades as yeah uh, it's her in the rain but the the one not this next issue but there's one where her mask is kind of ripped and she sort of looked like just standing in the rain like I, that, that that image is always stuck out to me is what i think of first when i think of this this run uh makes the costume sing uh so don't get me wrong the boobs are a little too uh you know separated as it were but the material like in the way the purple looks at the sides and all that it, yeah it looks gorgeous I'm, I'm just skimming ahead of the thumbnails here i think it's 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 interesting how they're very clearly split into these three segments so you have these noto covers at the mm-hmm. start and then you have these uh you, you say it's our gem i think so for it. i could be wrong uh, <laughs> it very well could be we have a series of these covers in the oh, and if if it's not it's someone who's doing similar style for this section and then we have what i can only assume is dustin wins covers uh it looks because very distinctive style right yeah uh and it looks like his covers through to the end of the book then yeah i remember that being a thing uh but no so good issue uh from, from a writing and story perspective dodgy from art what are you giving it 6.5 and that is dr full point for art unfortunately yeah yeah i'm actually in a weird way say that i would have rated it higher but i'm going to deduct more for the art <laughs> so uh, i'm going to give it a six for the art I, I i can't really argue with it uh, well, not for the art. I'm going to give it a six uh, because the because art is quite down. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I'm probably rating it, rating it a little bit higher just because it's it's my boy Tim. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. The the third best Robin. Uh, How dare you? <laughs> How dare you rate that little shit above Tim? Oh, Damien's better than Tim. I stand by that. Look, look, I agree he's better than Jason. Like, no fighting there. The bar is so low that that's borderline an insult still. <laughs> yeah, but he could still be high above the bar. It's not... <laughs> I mean, he could be, but you just go, he's better than Jason. You didn't say he's, he's significantly better. He's, he's inconsequentially so much better. Just, no, no, he's better than Jason. No, we'll not stand for it. Yeah, they're playing... <laughs> Or we go the opposite. You have to go under the bars at Limbo, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> t- t- Tim's nipple grazed the bar. It grazed the bar. I, I like how we switch from the bar to par, essentially, there, in terms of how we're using the scale. Yes. He's slightly below par. <laughs> no, I said bar. Yes, I know. I'm I'm making a point of, of switching to par, which would be... You know, par being the baseline and below par is a good thing. Okay, sure. All it's, right. it's it's golf, Pete. Come on. I know golf, but I wasn't talking about golf. I was talking about limbo. 
I know, and I said you basically switched to the par instead of bar, but you had to do it through a limbo system instead because your brain wouldn't just go switch to, to, to golf. No, because I went to my joke about him touching the bar. There, there, there was a, a solid through line. I mean, it was a Go- terrible joke golf, if that was your through line. Golf is point space. Why would they jump to golf? Because it's only one letter away from bar. Par, that is, not golf. <laughs> I'm not that drunk. Your through line is way worse. You, your whole thing is that par and bar or one letter apart it sounds similar they're one letter apart and in this context you went from being above the bar to below the the par so to speak so it it makes perfect sense above the bar and below the bar there's a bar either way is it is a bar oh my god all right fine you know what tim tim's a bogey all right if you want to do it in golf terms tim's a bogey i'll take it all right. It's not good enough. More of a birdie, but whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Damien's the birdie. I don't know any more golf terms. Dick's the hole in one. Uh, I've left albatross off the table, though. And eagle, for that matter. I don't know my golf terms. I, 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 don't, I don't know enough golf terms. to. to uh, you, you've gone too far now. <laughs> this is maybe the one sport you have expertise over me in, clearly. <laughs> I play some mini golf video games. I know these terms. <laughs> right. Learn it from somewhere. That is, uh, I mean, I mean, I knew eagle and birdie anyway, but I wanted albatross when I learned that from playing a video game. Like, oh, that's something called yeah, an albatross. That that's when no, you're, that's, th- that's when you're three under par. That's new to me. But obviously, obviously, in a lot of holes, that would be a hole in one because of the par. But if it's a bigger par and there's room for it to be three under, but not a hole in one. It's a albatross. Who came up with the let's let's name it after birds system? I I need to shake that man's hand because because you, the ball flies through the air, so uh, yeah, you fly with grace. You, it, you fly like an eagle. You fly like an albatross. <laughs> Who decided an albatross was better than an eagle? Because no one realized they needed one that was better, and then someone pulled <laughs> it off one day and went, "Shit, we have to have an in for that." Well, we've already used eagle, <laughs> probably albatross. <laughs> They should use the crappy birds, so instead of bogey, it should be like a pigeon. Just <laughs> a sparrow. Or whatever. See, and this is why the golf comparison is more accurate here. We're going oh, with par up. rather than a bar. Because after all, he is a bird. Uh... <laughs> oh. Alright, that is that has been the show. Uh, you can... Oh, we have to pick our favourite stuff. Yeah, I forgot we did oh, that. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we do do that. Best, worst, best art, yes. Uh, worst of the week. Well, there was, I mean, for me, it's Wonder Woman. But I mean, <laughs> it's easy for me. Um, it's actually not that simple for me. Well, yeah, there's no um, Emperor Superman or Emperor Joker anymore, so. Yeah, I, I think I, it's it's either Batgirl or Flash for me, actually. Um, how bizarre that Batgirl's in the low end. Uh, that, that, that's that, I guess. Um, I think I'm going to give it to the flash overall as the worst even though it's not terrible but i felt the exposition you drag in that more than i you know if i had to reread the two issues i take back yeah, okay uh i yeah i wonder what was about worst uh so we'll do before we do best we'll do best art so what is the competition here you're probably talking between batman wonder woman wonder even woman. though it's your worst issue i think 
there's there, even you might have an argument in there for art. No, my next favorite is probably GSC, I think. But uh, I see Batman. Batman 407 for me. Fair enough. I mean, I can't argue with that choice. It's a, it's a great choice. I am going to go with Wonder Woman, but I mean, than me. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, best of the week, though. What are you picking? Uh, it's GSC, hands down. Yeah, well, I mean, I rated it the highest. It's obvious what I was going to pick. So, uh, you can, of course, let us know what you think is the best book of the week. You can tell us your favourites in the, the comments, all that jazz. Uh, do remember, if you're watching the full version of this on YouTube, this is the last episode that will be a full version on YouTube. It's still going to be that like that on audio. The audio podcast will be the same as it always has been. But for YouTube, it will be split up into parts, starting with the next episode only uh, on Comics from the Multiverse, uh, the YouTube channel. So please do go check that out if you're on YouTube. I, and you can. I believe parts. Peter will link to that channel in the description if, if anyone needs help. Of course I will. I already did that last week as well, when it, because okay. I mentioned it last week. I'm not a fool. I'm just making sure, and, and if, if you hadn't done that, I was making sure you had some extra work to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you can go do that. Uh, but of course, all the usual things, like, subscribe, uh, get us on the Twitter, the DC Comics Podcast. You can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month over at patreon.com slash TV. Uh, you get bonuses, $5 tier especially. You get early access to all of the, the full episodes anyway of all, all the multiverse shows. Uh, that won't be quite true with the individual parts once they they'll, they'll start going up once it's went public basically uh, on on the YouTube and you can of course uh, vote whenever we have a vote much like Shazam New Beginning was much like coming soon uh, just to see Power Rangers as you can uh, vote whenever we do have one of those up and help decide some of the, the smaller books that we'll cover in those last two slots but uh, yeah uh, otherwise uh, you know thank you to Patreon producers the twenty dollar up and pay- uh, up patrons get their get their, their credits as it were uh, so thank you to David Shaw, Alison M. Forday, Cindy Palacios and Tyler Hess uh, but I think that's us I think that's everything I have to tell you other than just you know check out Comics from the Multiverse the YouTube channel again because uh, it's new and you know go and support it uh, check out the main show of course if you haven't I feel like most people find that first and then sort of check out this is the secondary thing because that's kind of how it was designed but in case you for some reason did find this first go check out Comics from the Multiverse and see if you're interested uh, but that is us, so thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading comics, guys. And, uh... Do you know, I'll, 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 rather than doing some sort of catchy one-liner here, I, I'm going to give an observation now that pop culture has kind of ruined is any moment someone says, say my name, much like the wizard did in Shazam, I can't read that and not, not in my head go, say my name, say my name. Thank you.